It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bookie Bashing Weekly Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net. This is Big, looking at next week's opportunities and last week's profits. This is Bashcast episode number 127. It'll be alright on the night. It's 25 minutes past 8 on Thursday, the 20th of December 2018. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast... Another weekend of coupon success, although I wasn't quite around to celebrate it with everyone. William Hill continue doing insane race places each Saturday. The PDC Darts is up and running, which only means Christmas, doesn't it? And an NFL roundup. After the break, we talk about some site stuff. Wrap up the Gordon Veo and Poker Stars stories. Um, a story about Indian casinos. An update on the McCann case and a discussion about advantage play. All that and more coming up on the Bashcast tonight. For the second weekend in a row, I missed the majority of the sport. I kind of, I do hate missing a Saturday. I've um, organised my life. So that I have Mondays off and Friday nights off and a bit of Wednesday off. But I'm working Saturday, Sunday because that's when sport's on. That's when value happens to, to be around. But just occasionally, people like the general populace, they have Monday to Friday jobs. And so they plan to do things on these weekends when all the sport is on. I don't know why you would want to. Um... So the week before last, I was away at a wedding, which was a lot of fun, I'm not going to lie. And this weekend, just gone, we went to a Christmas cottage with like 14,000 children under the age of five. So that was calm and peaceful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to... Like, you can make the decision to juggle a few bets here and there, and also do these things, but I'm I'm more of an all-or-nothing person. Like, I'm either completely focused and I'm smashing 20 grand on different sporting events, or I'm not doing anything. Um, but I find it difficult to do any middle ground. Saying that, I did have one bet the week before, didn't I? Which was £25 on a black type at 14 to 1. It was the only bet that I had, and it came in. Some sort of premiership championship treble it's not going to happen more times than 12 out of every 14 is it but so we went to this um 
this cottage in the sort of Welsh English border in the countryside with all the children and I am Santa for the weekend because I've got the um I've got the Santa outfit and when the children were very very young and my friend's children were very very young it was great fun pretending to be Santa as they've got older it's become more and more nerve-wracking and a couple of years ago one of my best pal's son Ollie he said um Oh, Santa was okay, but he was Tom, wasn't he? And his dad said, how do you know it was Tom? He said, well, he was wearing Tom's trainers, which is a giveaway because I've got like these red Nike Jordan trainers. So I thought, oh, I'm not going to make that mistake again. But the, the kids are getting older. The oldest girls are eight now, I think. They're eight-year-old twins of my, old, of my friends, John and Emma. Um, and then the next kids are six and five and four, down to my daughter who's three, and some younger kids than three. And so I got changed into Santa, as I had done the week before, and um, I went outside the house and I, I knocked on the door and did the whole ho, 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 pretend to be Santa thing. And as I come into the house with my sack full of presents... The older girls start jumping up and down and laughing, shouting, it's Tom, it's Tom. And I mean, it's soul destroying to hear this because the rest of the kids, including my own three-year-old daughter, are amongst the pack of wild animals swarming at my feet. Um, And I didn't didn't know what to do. And I just said, I'm not Tom, I'm Xander. And sort sort of go into the living room, cover completely blown. And so I sit down and I'm I'm dishing out presents and they're still and then as soon a couple of the other older children have now caught on that it's me and not Santa. And one of them leans over and grabs my beard, my fake white beard, to expose my face. And I, I see it happening, and so I, I, I bite onto the beard to stop my face being exposed. And so he he's pulling and I'm biting and pulling back. And I don't want to push him because he's like five years old, but he doesn't let go. And so now I don't know what to do because I'm now incapacitated in terms of communication. I can't speak because I'm biting onto my beard to stop my face from being exposed. Mostly from the children, but also from my own daughter. Because I don't know what Sasha's going to think. If Santa Claus, who she's seen for the last couple of weekends, gets exposed as her own father, she's going to think that he's a fraud, that I'm a fraud, that Christmas is a fraud. She's going to be scarred for life. So the main thing going through my head is that I don't want my daughter to see that beneath this beard of Santa Claus is a lie, which is what all of Christmas is based around. So for all my life, I bite onto this beard and... The kid doesn't let go, and so I can't communicate, and I'm just like... So I just start dishing out presents. But because he's dragging my beard, my hat's halfway down my face, so I'm looking at the labels and the presents. I have no idea who the presents are for, so I start giving out random presents to random kids, left, right, and centre. So, like, Ollie gets Susie's toy, and Imogen gets Rory's toy, and so on and so forth. And it doesn't matter, because I, I just, like, I want the toys distributed so that I can get the fuck out of Dodge. That's my plan. Um, and all the presents go, and then I get up and I, well, Merry Christmas, all of you children, ho, 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 and I leave the house. Now, I think, I think Sasha 
Despite the commotion of people jumping up and down and saying it's Tom, I don't think she has put two and two together. If she has, she's doing a very good job of keeping it under under wraps and playing the game. But to me, after all these years, I think pretending to be Santa is now over. I do have a like, uh, I do have a two month old. As I silence the uh, as I silence the Mac. So, like, obviously I'm going to have some joy out of pretending to be Santa to him, but not to the older children now. I think that's over. <laughs> Coming to the um, end of the calendar year means that the, uh, the, the death list for 2019, or 2018, is coming to an end. We tried to shake things up this year by waiting... The celebrity by age. It hasn't really worked because no young celebrities died. Like, my list was... So it was like, if you got a teenager, you got a times 10 bonus. Uh, Someone in the 20s or 30s or 40s, there were, like, multiplier bonuses, depending on the, the age of the person that died, the celebrity that died. So I was trying to have a cross-section of famous people that had a chance of dying. I don't know that many famous teenagers... So I went for Marcus Rashford. Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, who is the same age pretty much as me. Um, You know, he's the president of France. So all that that achieves is making me wonder what I've done with my life. Doddy Weir, Clive Anderson, Philip Windsor, who was a very popular choice, and Dennis Norden. And of that list, only Dennis Norden has died. But... The convenient thing is that nobody has died from anybody else's list. Um, Leah Bracknell, Kurt Douglas. I think Kurt Douglas is dead, but his multiplier was very low at the age that he was. Is he still alive? I don't know. Paul Gascoigne. I can't believe he's still going. Clive James, Charlie Sheen, Michael Fox. Robert Mugabe. Schumacher. Must Is he still going? I think he is, in some sort of vegetable state. Mel Brooks, Charlie Sheen, Michael J. Fox, Jimmy Carter, Donald Trump, Darren Osborne, Paul Gadd. Leah Bracknell again. Leah Bracknell has, is on two lists. I'm not going to lie. I don't know who that is. Who's Leah Bracknell? I'm Googling it now. Leah Bracknell. Emmerdale star. Oh, she's poorly. This is no laughing matter, so let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. Selena Gomez and Meghan Merkel, which isn't a bad shout. There's an, you know, you got assassination points there. Um... So I think I've smashed it. But it'll be all right on the night. In terms of the value on the weekend. So as I say, I missed it. But last week, I think I didn't quite cover... The coupons have really come alive again. There's been... The coupons have were, uh, were amazing the beginning of the season. These are in-shop coupons. And they went quiet for a little bit of time. Um, but all they did when they went quiet is they were returning sort of... They were returning zero. They, were, they weren't they were losing. They just weren't winning, if you know what I mean. And now that they're winning again. So obviously I wasn't on them in the weekend because I was away. But um, I have some insight into the betting patterns of people that were on the site and some friends, and I can see that people absolutely smashed it. Now, one thing I didn't discuss last week was how much... The, um, the Champions League came into play. So let's just discuss what's going on here with the coupons. 
there's two things. So on the tracker that we have, you can bet on things that are expected value. Now, I'm not going to lie. I can't bet on half of the things that come up in the tracker. I don't have a Paddy Power account. I do have a online Betfred account that can get £25 on boost so that I'm not going to get rich on the odds that, that you know, they're at 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 or whatever, even money. Um, and, so, and so a lot of the places, I like a lot of people, I'm restricted. Now, if you happen to have a load of accounts, then congratulations to you. This is a great way of maximizing it. If you don't have a load of accounts, you're going to come across restrictions. Betting on non-arbable and non-layable things definitely will um, extend the lifetime of your account. When you're a senior trader, those kind of people that are referred of when a business decision has been made when looking at your account, the first thing you're looking for is, are you an arbor? Out and out. If you sign up to um, BetVictor and you arb them, you'll be done within first few races. The next thing they're looking for are bonus bums. You know, did you sign up to the sign-up bonus did you bet your uh, qualifier at the lowest um, qualifying loss possible? Because they know what the exchange odds were at any given time. And then did you happen to bet the same stake at 10 to 1 for your free bet? So you put your qualifier £10 at even money and then your free bet at 10 to 1. And then have you placed every bet subsequently just to trigger free bets? So those are the people that you're looking for. If you are value betting, you're still going to come across restrictions. It's just you're, you're going to be further down the line. There's going to be an assumption that, you know, at least you're playing the game somewhat. You're gambling. Um, but there's no such thing as an account that lasts forever. Although I'm not going to lie. But I'm going to give Fred Dunn some credit that even just with the £25 I can get on online, that's quite decent after the number of years that that account has been smashing positive EV bets for. And so some accounts do appear to be just in, um, in what's the word? Some accounts just will survive forever. Now, to get some serious money on, shops is probably the place that you want to go. So... Coupons are a very useful way of doing this. They're doing two things. One, you're getting equity. If you're comparing equity against a static lay on the exchange, then equity is available. And the equity that you can get is significantly greater than online. Whereas maybe online you could hope for, you know, what what is the massive odds? You could get £10 on at 2.5 to back and 2.3 to lay and that would be huge. Well, guess what? Last night there was £500 available in shop at 3 to back and 2.2 to lay. So that was a boost, albeit. We'll come to that later because it was in the darts and it was at William Hill. But with the pushers, you're getting a significant number of trebles on, so you're flattening the variance, and the EV of those trebles are all higher than normal boosts online, whereas a boost might be 107%, you might be looking at 120% on the pushes. Now, these coupons get, come out on a Thursday, a Friday, 
we upload them and when they come out there's very little value and a lot of the time there's very little value until team news and then team news arrives and some teams steam in now we're tracking like 90 different teams 100 different teams across all the divisions and just occasionally there's some very surprising team news and that may mean that either that team or their opposition will steam in in price and it's really those teams that we are taking advantage of so if you want to bet on these coupons the time to do it is 2 p.m on a saturday it really is or 6 45 p.m on a tuesday if it's champions league um and ideally 2 50 p.m on a saturday that is the perfect time that's when you should be finding yourselves in betfred placing these bets we are monitoring other coupons there's the both teams to score and no draw coupon at william hill an issue with that is liquidity and the match odds and both teams to score market to bench market against it's not that it isn't value what it is is it's quite difficult to work out if it is value you know what i mean it's like That requires the speed of processing for that coupon, given that the match odds and both teams to score market is often very illiquid leading up to the race. It's just a question about is there enough time to be getting on that with everything else. And the other thing is um, William Hill are boosting... Well, they have the shop offers anyway, so they put up like 20 shop offers every day. And we're finding that we have to go into William Hill and load up the computer screen and take 20 photographs of every shop offer that they've got and then send them over to BBHQ and work out if any of them are value or not. A lot of them you can't work out the value. A lot of them are, a lot of them are not value. I mean, a lot of them are really terrible. And just the occasional gem is amazing. And then, come 5 o'clock, they've got this roulette wheel where they boost a random price. What do they call it? The super boost wheel. And the the offer gets boosted by 25%, 50%, 75%, or even 100%. The problem is I've seen them boost something for 100%. And even though they classify it as an offer, the EV of the original price was so poor, even by doubling the odds, it's not positive expected value. The other annoying thing is that these boosts happen to be between 5 and 6 p.m. just when nobody is available in the entire world. I'm going to go and pick Sasha up from nursery. People are doing X, Y, and Z. How many people can put their hands up and say that they can be in William Hill smashing bets between 5 and 6 p.m. on a weekday? Nobody, right? So I don't know why they've put them at this time, but that's when they are. They also do 12 to 1 p.m. on horse racing, but... Much, much harder to work out volume then. I mean, you can't work out every bet. There's only a finite number of things that can be worked out. And when they do things like, you know, every team in the French League 2 to have two cards, three corners and 14 goals in both halves of the game and one of them to be leading within 15 minutes and someone's legs to fall off and the Prime Minister to step down at 2pm exactly. And then you're looking at it and it's like, I can't work that out. You know what I mean? It's like... The, the bets become so crazy, I can't work it out. So of all the bets, we can probably work out about half of them. And so when they boost them, if they boost one of the half that we can't work out, then we can make an estimation, but sometimes we're not entirely sure. Going back to Fred's pushers coupon, last week um, there was the Champions League. I probably could have discussed this last week, I think. Events overtook me. The value that appeared on the coupon... Included Suska, Suska Moscow, 
Hoffenheim, who were playing Man City, and the Leipzig draw on Thursday night, and Leipzig were like huge favourites um, at home to Rosenberg. And so this is one of the reasons why I love the coupons, because who in their right mind goes into Betfred or a shop or looks online and thinks the the draw is going to be value in anything. No one does, right? You either think that the the favourite or the outsider is going to be value, but you rarely, you rarely have the thought process. There's a bit of gambler's fallacy that the draw is good. Now, the prices of these events were insane. Suska Moscow was 14 to 1. And they came in 12 to lay, as did Hoffenheim, exactly the same price, 14 to 1, came into 12 to lay. And the Leipzig draw, because Leipzig were like 1.12 favourites here against um, Rosenberg, was like 6, 11 to 2, I think, something like that, 6.5. Now, a number of people had those three events in the same betting slip last week. Um, and I saw a couple of them posted on the BB forum. Now, if you're betting £10 trebles on something that is 14 to 1 and something else that is 14 to 1, and then you throw another three slips, three or four teams into that slip, then any other team that's going to win, if those two teams win, is going to be multi- have their odds multiplied by 225. You are going to be making some serious money. And there was a couple of five-figure slips that I saw after Leipzig dig draw because they got a red card. I don't, how do the markets know that the draw price should steam in and then there's a red card in that match? I don't know. Siska won 3-0 away to Real Madrid, and Hoffenheim were winning. They were beating Manchester City 1-0. Now, they didn't win. They lost 2-1, but the rest of the favourites won. And so the smart money was very, very smart last week in the Champions League. There are a number of different schools of thought when it comes to making money from value betting. Now, one of them is studying and being an expert in um, the teams and the prices and weighing up um, the expectation against the price available. And if you want that kind of write-up, you can head over to uh, professional tips, of which there are many, and most people know that I'm a fan of Brodders at Betting Emporium, but others are available. And you can see write-ups and you can maybe make, you know three or four percent return on your money over time and that's fine and he had a load of write-ups for the champions league and his write-ups were wrong and that doesn't mean that he doesn't make money he um that means that there was so much um dynamic price movement based on surprises with team news and strategy in the champions league that by the time he wrote them all up he couldn't encapsulate them um all of that information. So he did a really good job and lost money as probably expected. If I was him, I wouldn't have bothered, but I'm not him. So he did bother. He he put his head above the parapet and I'm certainly not going to, going to snipe him because of that. Saying all of that, do you know who did smash it? The smart money. And do you know how to bet on the smart money? You bet on the coupons on the site. That's how you bet on the smart money. That's why the coupons exist. The, the reason... 
green. The reason value appears on these coupons is because the coupon price is held, the exchange price comes down. Some people, some smart people, some syndicate money is betting these this down in, you know, significant amount of levels that is actually moving the exchange price. And so all we have to do is follow it. And yes, if you follow one or two teams, then you may lose both bets. But over the long run, if you place enough bets following the smart money, and Joseph Buchdahl published a paper showing that if you just bet on smart money, even at SP, over the last 10 years of football or five years of football, I forget how many seasons his analysis was, but he said you would make a profit even at the SP. And we're getting in before the SP. We're not betting exactly kickoff. You know what I mean? So we're following smart money in. And that smart money knew that Suska at 14 to 1 against Real Madrid was a ridiculous price. It knew that the draw for Leipzig was a ridiculous price. It knew that Hoffenheim against Manchester City was a ridiculous price. I don't think anyone would ever pick out these 14 to 1 teams ordinarily because you just don't have the knowledge. I don't have the knowledge. Do you have the knowledge? Do you know what Hoffenheim are doing? Do you know what Manchester City's strategy are doing? No, I don't think you do. If you do, then booyah for you. But if you know what Man City and Hoffenheim for you are doing, you can't possibly have enough breadth of scope to know what's going on with Suska and Real Madrid. No one can. So the, the strategy where we follow all the smart money at the same time, personally, I think it's the best. I think there isn't a better betting strategy. Now, for me, I've shown incre really incredible profits over the last year. I plotted my EV graphs, and I'm way above EV, like over significant sample size, both on pushes and on value boosts. And I think the reason is that I'm following smart money, and I'm comparing myself against a static lay, and that's not a decent enough barometer of what the value that is that I'm betting on is. I'm not. I, if I'm sounding like I'm whinging, I'm not. I'm, we're making some money. What I'm what I'm trying to do though is I'm trying to figure out why we're being as successful as we're being. Anyway, if you're betting online, you've got a million online accounts, and you will never become. You will never be restricted enough that it will be a problem. Then I can't blame you if you just want to sit in front of your iPad in front of um, Jeff Sterling on a Saturday afternoon and take the best boosts out there. But if somehow you can get to shop, and it doesn't even have to be you, go and send your pals and somehow get invested with that. It's where money is to be made. And um, remember, it's a long-term game. Everyone has a losing weekend or a break-even weekend. But following the smart money, you show me how, you know, a 14-to-1, an 11-to-2, and nearly another 14-to-1 comes in in a single weekend because I don't know where you would find it. Another place where value exists every single Saturday now, like clockwork, is at William Hill Horse Races. Now, again, I wasn't um, around, so I didn't scrape and put it on the site. I am going to be around this Saturday, the 22nd, and Saturday, the 29th. And so if there is a William Hill Horse Race on those two Saturdays, um, and let's pray that there is, then I will be scraping. I think there's racing on Boxing Day. I'm going to ignore Boxing Day. I need... You know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, I'm very tempted to just turn my phone off and be outside of the digital and betting worlds. But regardless, last Saturday at 155 at Cheltenham, William Hill were paying seven places in A. Excuse me, what's the count up? 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 horse race. Seven places. Seven places. 
I mean, this kind of value is unreal. It's the kind of value where if you walk into William Hill wearing a blindfold and throw a dart at the screen and pick a horse at random, you will that that's a long-term strategy to make money. <laughs> you know, the occasional horse will be negative EV and sometimes they are. Sometimes a horse is 12 to 1 at William Hill, 30 on the exchange and the place is way out. And just even with the seven places, it's not value. But more often than not, than not, it's good. And so you can wait for us to put the scrapes up. Um, you can go into Odds Checker and see, you know, if they're joint best price with other bookmakers and they're paying seven places, then just go for it. Forget about the one to four odds that used to be traditional in these races. And I know the one to five may, may more often than not be less than what the place money is on the exchange, but that's not important because the place money in the exchange is based on standard places. And there were only... 14 runners at the off, so they did reduce it to six places, uh, but it's still insane value. Froden won it. Sipage, Guitar Pete, Baron Alco, Rather B, and Mr. Medic were all the places. And as I understand it, they were all decent value during the day. So if you bet on any of those, especially Froden, whose SP was 7-1, to then congratulations to you. One thing I, we, that has been noted is that unlike most races, a lot of races... Early prices are the best, and then the SP is terrible compared to it. With this race, more often than not, the early prices are rubbish, and the SP is better because of how much value they're losing during this race. So it's almost like if you can leave it really late to bet on this, then you may be eliciting some kind of value. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, 7-1 to one on Frodon. Congratulations if you want to. And um, uh, let, let's hope that William Hill continues. Now, last week, the Bashcast, you may have heard, discussed the PDC World Darts Championships and how um, the draw was very much lopsided. And so we were looking at somebody on the bottom half of the draw to get involved with for a value bet. And a little bit of interest to take us up to Christmas. Because, you know, there's only two rounds before Christmas. And then a little bit of interest after Christmas. And um, the man that stood out was the Scotsman, who might be English, but is actually Scotsman, world ranking number three, Peter Wright. Now, if you've got the dyed Mohican and the matching shirt colour scheme, it's a good luck if, and only if, you don't go out in the first round, especially when you've been tipped by the Bashcast. Peter Wright faced Tony Alcanaz, world ranking number 55 last week. The odds available at Bet365 were 7-1 to one on Alcanaz, 1.08. To right, so probably 1.06 on the exchanges. So that's a surefire thing, isn't it? Peter Wright through four 180s, only four in her first to three against Alkinets, who threw six. Peter Wright's checkouts, eight of 31 against Tony's nine of 21 and even with a 167 checkout it was his averaging of 94.7 that let him down and he lost the match and went out in 
round one. And so there finishes the Bashcast PDC selection. Thank you very much. We will be back next year <laughs> with more value. It doesn't stop um, the draw being so crazy, crazy one-sided. And it does look like the winner is going to... C- come from the Van Gogh and Gary Anderson side of things. I would say that Smith and Soldjevic, who are the Emporium tips, are probably now the value bets, but I think I'm just going to step away. Um, One thing that was on, was it last night? Yeah, this was really one of the biggest bets I've seen of 2018. It came around on the 19th of December 2018. It was over 30 180s in tonight's William Hill World's Darts Championship matches. Um, daily offer five in shop, not online at William Hill. Now, in shop, they take up... Uh, they, they, they might take more than 500. I, we haven't tested more than 500, right? Or someone might have, but I haven't seen it. Now... I said before, some bets are easy to work out. Some are really quite tough indeed. This is one of the toughies. I don't have a lot of data on number of 180s. And even if I did, the statistical sample size would be quite low. I need some sort of model based on over-unders like the football. But I don't have that. The exception is when they bet something at evens. Because Sporting Index have got an evens lineup. So Sporting Index, you can buy and sell the 180s in any particular session at the PDC. So you know where the evens line should fit if Sporting Index are right. There's no reason to think that they're not. So when William Hill put something at evens, you can tell if it's good or not. And they said over 30, so that's 31 or more. Well, Sporting Index was saying 29.5 to 31.5. So the middle of that is 30.5. So the evens line is 30.5. And William Hill was saying 31 or more at evens. So that's marginally negative EV. How much negative EV? It's difficult to work out. You would think it was somewhere in the region of... Because you can still sell at um, 31.5 on Sporting Index. So I'm, you know, maybe... 2.1, 2.2 a push for 31 180s. Now, their super boost wheel, which I I, I don't even know what this is, but it spins, it takes an offer, and it boosts it by 25%, 50%, 75%, or 100%. It only boosts it for 15 minutes. It's where runners come in very, very useful. It landed on this offer, and so, and it landed on 100%. So they boosted it f- uh, over 3180s in last night's darts from evens to 2 to 1. Now, at worst, we were estimating that this was going to be 2.2. And so this was like a 140, near 150% expected value equity bet with huge limits. <laughs> So first up last night was Wilson and O'Connor. We needed to get off to a flyer last night. Well, there were 10 180s. There were four matches in the evening session. We needed 31. There were 10 thrown by Wilson O'Connor. And that got us off to an absolute flyer. Michael Smith and Mulecamp um, were... They were third up, sorry. So we had Whitlock and Joyce before them. um, And seven from those boys. So that was 17 when we needed 31. And then it came to Michael Smith and Mulecamp. Michael Smith loves 
are 180. Well, those two threw 13 180s, and that took us to 30 before we get came to James Wade versus the Japanese outsider Asada. Now, James Wade is not known for his 180s. He's not a huge 180 scorer. Um, but even so, we only needed one from this match. Um, now, and so James Wade, in typical style, world number nine against someone that isn't ranked, got one and only one 180. Fortunately, Asada got six. We didn't even need all of those six. The one from Wade was enough, and the two-to-one came in at William Hill. What does all of that mean? It means a couple of things. One, being able to position yourself in William Hill between the hours of 5 and 6 p.m. seems to be critically important just now to ascertaining getting on value. If you cannot be in William Hill between 5 and 6, and heaven knows I can't be most nights, find someone that can. Stop moaning about it and figure out logistically how you can find someone to be in William Hill between five and six. And then don't be too, hopefully they're of a disposition where they're not too mad if value doesn't turn up because sometimes it doesn't. But last night it did. We were able to get on it. And when these things come, you've got very short amount of time, but figure out are they value. You don't see something that is three to back and two point two to lay come around every day of the week. And when you do, you when it's more than a tenner that you can get on it, that is the rarest of rare things. And so you need to smash that as much as you can. And so you've got to be thinking about what the payout is because a lot of the time we're betting at ten to one. And if you're betting twenty pounds and ten to one, and a bet comes on that's now two to one. In fact, it shouldn't even be the back odds that you're thinking about. You should be thinking about the lay odds. The back odds are kind of, when it comes to bankroll management, the back odds aren't important. It's the odds, it's the relative odds, if you like. Some people call it the true odds, the fair market price. It's the chance of the actual event occurring that should be the basis of your stake size, because that's what flattens variance out over time. So let's forget that it was two to one. It was about 2.2. For for ease of calculation, let's say it was even money, which it, it could have been very close to. So if you're betting £20 at 10 to 1, you need to be betting 200 quid at evens. And you might not want to, but this is what Kelly says, this is what the maths say, this is what Optimal Strategy says. You've got to get that big lump down. And had you done that last night, you would have cleaned up very, very easily um, with the 37 or so 180s that there were in the darts last night so yeah uh, van gogh and here's a bit mr green at 2.75 i presume that's low limits like a 10 or a 20 but if you want that he's 2.44 to lay so that's a very decent value bet in itself now the nfl ticks on um my preseason bets of the jacksonville jaguars and the denver broncos are now pretty much out of it as every week goes by, though, the William Hill um, boosts just seem to be the most amount of value around there. Them and Red Zone Sports, Red Zone Sports seem to be a lot more complicated to work out. But William Hill have, well, the first thing they have is any team to score 50 points, 3-1. to one. They've got that every week. Now, you could work that out. I could work that out. It'd take me way too long to do it, though. Um, I realised very early in the season. Like the information is there, and actually, to say the truth, if I structured my databases properly, I could probably do some sort of heuristic analysis on it. 
But if you wanted to work off um, odds checker, you could do a long or calculation. But it takes so long. I've just gone through, gone with the um, assumption that because the rules changes, um, more teams are scoring highly, and I, I think three to one is value. And I, I don't know, and I never put it up on the boosts tracker because I can't prove it. But I, I, every single week, I take that. The next one is that they have, um, they have a couple of teams to win by ten points or more. Every week, this week, they had the Bears and the Falcons. Falcons smashed the Cardinals by 26 points. That one came in. The Bears were winning by 10 points until the Green Bay Packers scored with um, in, uh, late in the fourth quarter. So that one at 5-1, to one, which was 5.5 um, fair market price, didn't quite come in. But um, then they also have three teams to win um, by 7 points and one. These teams are all playing at the same time at the 6 p.m. And that's the Ravens, the Vikings... And the Colts this week, and um, Ravens won by eight. Vikings, which was the TV game, won by 24. And the Colts won by 23 against the Dallas Cowboys, obviously in a complete shutout. So um, that was nine to one. And they'll take 50 quid on that very easily. And we worked that out just to be seven fair market price. So uh, 10, seven is a uh, very, very decent 120, 130% equity bet with 50 pound limits. William Hill's smashing it recently, aren't they? Three um, interesting anytime touchdown scores came up. A couple of them were at Sky, Elliot, Adam, Thielen, and Gronk, Brown, and Carson. And one was at William Hill, Elliot, Adams, and Jones. So Elliot and Adams of Dallas. Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers featured in both of them. Um, the Sky ones are very difficult to get anything decent on, but we can frequently find is that um, occasionally those bets go up a matchbook and um, that, that market is massively inefficient. And if you can work out what the fair market price is, which, you know, if you take um, 5% of the top price, as long as that top price isn't an outlier, and um, add add on to that for juice and then take the multiple of those three, then that's roughly a fair market price. You can work out what you should be betting at. And you can very frequently go over to Matchbook and trade um, 110% or better over there because people are just laying off those bets at Sky. And the value at Sky is huge. It's like um, 12 to 1 to back. It was sub-10 fair market price for Gronk, Brown and Carson and um, 10 to back, 7 to lay. So you can, you know, you, you could be trading um, 9.2, 9.4. Uh, um, if you're getting 0% commission, that's a 9.2 to back um, 7 fair market price lay. Unfortunately, none of them came in, but it's a long-term equity game, isn't it? So uh, plenty of being val- value to be had there. In terms of um, the season, the New Orleans Saints have um, come back in to value after going on a somewhat of a heater. It does definitely seem like it's going to be the Patriots, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Rams, or the Saints. But I think, personally, teams seem to have figured out the Rams' strategy. And Gurley isn't just r- walking over the line every single game from what I've seen anyway. So if anything seemed smacked as value from the exchanges, it would be laying the Rams. But if you want to lay it 7.2 for fun, then you are of a different disposition to me. Before the break, a little bit of sight stuff. If you're on the, um, did anyone see Adam get kicked off the Telegram group? <laughs> Adam is a long-standing and invaluable member of Telegram, and um, um, uh, he's a very knowledgeable contributor to boogie bashing. But someone else signed up today. Um, 
and joined Telegram. And that was fine. And very shortly afterwards, another person joined Telegram, but there was no second person that joined Bucky Bashing. So what's going on there? I don't know. But where the person, the second person that signed up was also went by the name Adam. And it was like, well, we cross-referenced this against um, the new users on the site, and there was no new Adam. Now look, you know, everyone knows Telegram is not the most secure. It's infinitely better than the forums for ease of use when it comes to chatting to. You've got the app on your phone. You just press the app. It, lo- it opens really quickly. All the messages come down. It's clean. It's good to look at. And I... I'm, I'll be the first to admit that the, the forum looked clunky and outdated, but it was the way it was when we first set it up. And, um, you know, I'm, I am not a Mark Zuckerberg, right? I barely know the basics of how websites work, right? I know where value is in Advantage Play, um, and I know how to take the bookies to Value Town, but I don't know how to code in C++ or what JavaScript is. <laughs> so look telegram seems to be a clean solution other than the fact that it's obviously not secure so um what's happened today is that adam has just it appears come found the link from somewhere and joined the telegram group and um it's not really what it's meant for it's meant for bookie bashers to be able to chat in an easier format and an easier mode of communication than the clunky forum so he just Duncan got in touch and simply asked a very very easy question he said um hi Adam welcome to the thread welcome to the telegram chat group if you could just let us know your username um I will cross-reference you against BB and everything will be fine you'll off you go and um, on Telegram, you get that little tick mark, like on WhatsApp, that confirms that the person's read the message. And he read the message, but he didn't reply. So we gave him a few hours. And like, okay, you know. It would have been very, very easy to reply to that with your username if you were legit. You're not legit. So we booted him off within hours of him joining. And this is the first time we've done this, but we will continue to do that. And we have to do that to protect the site. Um, trying now to we've positioned ourselves in a place where the people that first joined Bookie Bashing are inquisitive, inquisitive enough to get, come and find a new home, and they know that there is some protection required for the information within there. Um, and just now, whilst Telegram isn't the most secure way of doing things, it may have been possible just to come along and think you could chance your arm and join the group. But, well. For the protection of the community as a whole, we're now just going to be asking everybody that joins the Telegram group to confirm their bookie bashing name with us. And if we can't cross-reference you against bookie bashing, then... My concern is that you perhaps don't have that spark of entrepreneurial genius. That is what I'm looking for. I think you're not for my organisation, so you're fired. Thank you, Ben. I'm sick and tired of looking at the pair of you. Uh, I don't want to see you in this boardroom again because it's getting untenable. 
You understand what I'm saying? Oh, off you go back to the house. guys that's enough nonsense to take us to the break you are listening to the bash cast and it's brought to you by bookiebashing.net oh you're rolling goodness is there any reverb to roll with Yes, he, he wants it out here. We're just tuning it up. Lovely thing it is. Reverbing.
and welcome back to the Bashcast. That was both Jeff Buckley's live version of Nina Simone's Be Your Husband from the Sine Nightclub in 1993 and From Beyond by Locked Groove 2018. I was having mental gymnastics trying to figure out which one of the two to put on for the last Bashcast of the year couldn't figure out so i put both of them on what if they say get out of here kid you got no future i mean i just don't think i can take that kind of rejection jesus i'm starting to sound like my old man in the bookie bashing news we return to the gordon veo versus poker stars story um so if you remember i think we've discussed this twice before 2016 WSOP runner-up and well-known online poker player Gordon Veo um, won the 2017 Spring Championship of Online Poker event number one High Roller, the 1,050 No Limit Hold'em event for $692,000. But PokerStars withheld his prize. Um... They say he was in the United States of America. He says he was in Canada using a VPN. They said, well, can you prove it? He said yes. And then submitted forged documents. He submitted um, mobile phone records and he submitted ATM bank transactions on his bank statement that showed that he was in Canada, except the forgeries were really poor. If you added up all the debits and credits on his bank statements, they did not come to the final balance. And also he was doing very strange things like taking exactly 200 US dollars out of a um, Canadian ATM machine, despite the fact that the exchange rate would have meant that that was like whatever, you Canadian dollars, but it wouldn't have been a nice round number on top of everything poker stars actually found out who the forger was and got him on side and the forger provided poker stars with both the forged copies and the originals so it was all looking very damning for gordon veo despite this he still continued with his lawsuit his uh, legal representatives ditched him but he did not ditch the the lawsuit that was filed in California against PokerStars. So PokerStars, with all this irrefutable evidence against Gordon Veo that suggested that he was in the country, suggested that they were going to countersue him for damages, which were going to lead into hundreds of thousands of dollars to reclaim money lost through their investigation. And it was just getting tasty. (laughs) Well... There's been some news. And the news, unfortunately, for us gossip fans, is Gordon Veo has dropped his lawsuit against Pokestar's parent company, Rational Entertainment Enterprises Limited, R-E-E-L, after the latter discovered some of the evidence was doctored, and upon being confronted with the discovery of forged evidence, Veo's representatives quit and in return um, the Rational Entertainment Enterprise Limited filed a countersuit seeking $280,000 from Veo for legal fees and court costs and now that Gordon Veo has dropped his lawsuit 
Poker stars have withdrawn theirs as well. Um, I guess it seems like poker stars wanted to make an example of Gordon Veo and wanted to say, look, we're very good at determining whether people are using VPNs from America, whether people are lying to us. Um, accusing us of being bullies. I mean, in the game of poker between Veo and Poker Stars, they held their poker face throughout all of this because they had a very strong hand, but never gave any inclination how strong it was. Um, however, they never were in this for financial gain. It seems like because they could have, they would have won hundreds of thousands of dollars from Gordon Vale, but it looks like they're just putting a message out to people, don't mess with us. We know when you're lying to us, uh, we can prove it, and we can come after you and seek damages if we want to. And there's perhaps a lesson here that you may try and pull the wool over the eyes of... Um, customer services but i would stop short of out and out lying to them i think there are certainly games that can be played i mean i am um, very recently i've had the nectang group come to me and ask me for my source of wealth and have demanded exactly what i do uh for a profession now as a someone that runs bookie bashing or, or a professional advantage player that's very difficult to explain to them well, the truth is, that doesn't mean I have to lie. And I think lying is not a sensible resort ever. Um, it just means that you have to be, you have to filter the truth. You know, you have to only say what is necessary and keep stum on the rest. Whereas Gordon Veo out and out doctored um, and photoshopped these utility bills that he sent over to PokerStars. Uh, and he's lost a lot of credibility, and he probably won't be sponsored for in the near future, but um, he's got away without having to pay PokerStars $300,000. He hasn't been able to collect the $692,000 he won for first place in the 2017 Spring Championship of Online Poker, but, you know... If he can rewind the clock to before June 2017, he's net zero. He very easily could have been minus 300,000. He's not plus 600,000, but being net zero after this whole caboodle, I would take that as a result any day of the week. Now, moving on to Megan McCann, the young punter from Northern Ireland who is suing the online bookmaker, Bet365. More litigation between punter and bookmaker. This time, it is not so clear who is on the correct side. Certainly, like the Veo case, it's fairly clear-cut that the customer hasn't been the ideal client for the bookmaker, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she has broken any laws or they're entitled to withhold payment from her. She is seeking more than £1 million, you may know, in unpaid winnings. Um, 
And this court case really promises to put the entire betting industry's treatment of successful punters into the spotlight because her legal team have submitted an an amended statement of claim that is understood to allege cartel-like activity by major online operators. McCann's case took another step towards a full hearing last Friday when Bet365 was granted four weeks to consider whether it will continue with an attempt to strike out key parts of McCann's claim. The parties will reconvene at the Royal Courts of Justice in Belfast on the 18th of January when it is possible that a date will be set for a full hearing of the case in spring. McCann who was 19 when the bets were placed, staked almost £25,000 on 12 horses running in races at Bath, Kempton Park and Nars on the 22nd of June 2016. Bet365 accepted the bets in all £960 each way lucky 15s, which were largely successful, producing a potential payout of £984,833. However... Bet365 subsequently refused to pay the winnings, claiming that McCann's stake for the bet had been provided by a third party in contravention of the firm's terms and conditions. It also refused to refund her initial stake. McCann is suing on the grounds that Bet365 have indulged in what is described in strict legal terms as unconscionable practice by discriminating between its customers and either restricting or closing the accounts of punters who make or threaten to make a long-term profit. However, her statement also claims that in addition to alleged breaches of consumer law in relation to Bet365's T's and C's, other online operators are joining with Bet365 to engage in practices that amount to a breach of the Competition Act 1998. McCann's legal team will argue that bookmakers could have responded to successful backers by investing in technology and skilled staff to improve the efficiency of their books. Instead, they suggest rather than engage in competition between themselves in this fashion, they chose to engage in the informal parallel and cartel-like behaviour of discriminating against and exploiting customers. McCann's case further claims that Bet365's T's and C's are unfair in that these permit the defendant to take bets from customers in the full knowledge that the bets are third parties and then seek to void them at will. Her claim also cites alleged examples of Bet365 refusing to void losing bets which has had been informed had been which had been informed had been placed on behalf of third parties. Clive Hawkswood, the chief executive of the Remote Gambling Association, the trade body that represents online bookmakers, denied the claim of cartel behaviour by RGA members. You've only got to look at these companies in the market to see how fiercely competitive they are with each other, Hawkswood said. If you are going to maximise the commercial side of things, that will lead to some common practices, but any suggestion that they are sitting down and working out ways of doing these things is simply not credible. Bet365 did not respond to this at the time of the Guardian publication. 
It's very interesting that the... I mean, no one is debating either on Bet365's side of the legal fence or on um, Megan's side of the legal fence that um, somebody else provided provided her both with the bankroll and the information to place these bets. No one's denying that. The question is whether uh, um, that fact alone is sufficient for Bet365 to withhold the money. And now it is being claimed that the reason that all the toxic environment exists in the first place is because Bet365 and other online bookmakers are way too restrictive when it comes to winning, something that all advantage players and bookie bashers will be familiar with. I don't know where I sit in terms of what result I think this court case. I mean, it is a coin flip for me. It, to me, they could find in favour of Megan. They could find in favour of Bet365. And for all the legal knowledge I have and that I've asked of other people that specialise in this area, this is nearly 50-50. I also don't know how, how I want this court case to finish. On the one side, it would be nice for bookmakers to be a mirror to be held up to their practices, to how low the um, the moral standards are, where you just accept bets off losing players. But again, be very careful what you wish for. You don't know how damaging for the environment it may be if bookmakers are forced to change their practices and take bets for winning players. It may, it may end up making it much, much harder for advantage players and bookie bashers to get on in the first place. It might not, and it might, but it's definitely a risk, that's for sure. This is probably going to be the most interesting court case of 2019 for me. And finally, in the bookie bashing news, the bastardization of advantage play. Do you AP? I have seen in the last couple of months somebody saying that they half AP, the under AP, they're full advantage player, they're semi advantage player. Do you advantage play? Are you an advantage play? Um, has been bastardized over time simply to mean someone that places bets and does not lay them. It was never this straightforward. Um, way back in time, back in the 60s and 70s, advantage play was just an act of legally exploiting procedural or structural weakness in some aspect of brick-and-mortar casino games or operations in a way that generated an edge over those casinos. And advantage players were many. They mostly played table games. Um, they exploited side bets and the occasional slot machines. And um, later on in the early 90s, video poker. And if you want to hear more about that, tune in to Gambling with an Edge um, with Richard Munkin, uh, Munchkin to hear more about how um, modern-day Las Vegas Advantage players are exploiting video poker. And if you ever have a holiday in um, Las Vegas, that is very interesting listening. But they mostly take advantage of promotions and loss rebates, casino hosts, marketing, perhaps slightly um, um, 
broken machines or machines that are leading up towards jackpot. They look for casinos that misunderstand or have completely incorrectly implemented the rules of new games and they seek out dealers who are error prone. I mean, um, if you ever go down to your local casino and see a blackjack dealer that is being trained, then there is a form of black of advantage play that doesn't even involve count card counting. They just sit with him and the advantage play is that if he makes an error in your favor and doesn't notice, don't say anything and um, in your favor, don't say anything. And if he makes uh, an error in the casino's favor and doesn't notice, then you do say something and you haven't. That's the simplest form of advantage players manipulating elements of a game um, or a dealer to create situations where those errors are more likely to occur. Advantage players have always disassembled automatic shufflers and exploited the most subtle of weaknesses. They find casinos that use cards with minor defects in their designs and exploit these irregularities. They operate alone or in teams and they relentlessly scout. They are well-funded with huge bankrolls. They communicate efficiently and travel anywhere at any time across the world. Phil Ivey, the world's greatest poker player, is one of the primary advantage players in the world. Um, a casual examination of the gambling section of any bookstore will show you a wide selection of books on advantage play in both blackjack and poker. The blackjack books are all on the subject of card counting and poker books um, are all about beating other players with advantage play and not the house. There may be some books on, uh, on roulette with slightly offset tables, baccarat or craps. Um, and there are always forms of legitimately beating the house. There are systems based on betting progressions and patterns, flow or timing, and that some that are mathematically sound and some that are not in craps. So there are extraordinary claims about dice control that that do demand extraordinary proof. And if you look hard enough and study for hard enough, you may just about find them. And so when someone turns around and says that they're going to get a free bet from William Hill and they're going to half AP William Hill, to me it is chalk down a blackboard. Advantage play hasn't been around forever, but it's been around at least a generation and probably coming up to more like two just now. And I would rather Brexit unfolded with the collapse of the current government, Parliament hung and civil unrest appear on our streets, with Mariah Carey installed as head of state, forcing us to listen to her incessant Christmassy faux cheer drivel on a daily basis as we worship at the shrine of her repetitive vomit-inducing candy pop vocal range, than hear someone bastardise the term advantage play one more Time. So before you type in capital A, capital P into the keyboard, do make sure you aren't just dismissing a rich history of APs before you. Okay, guys, uh, listen, what's coming up next week? I'm not going to go through it because for me, it's time for a little bit of a break. It's Christmas. Um, there is so much sport on it's unreal. There is not just Premiership full schedule this weekend, uh, but there is on Boxing Day. And on top of that, there is horse racing as well. Now, there's probably going to be pushes coupons and other coupons available for Boxing Day. We're not at a state at the site yet where we can user input um, the coupons. It's still really down to me and Duncan to put them in. 
and sort of because of that, um, that means that one of us always has to be available. And it's normally me because Duncan's got other stuff going on. He's, he works in the real world. But um, I'm going to have a few days off next week. And that may mean that just for the Boxing Day fixtures, um, uh, there's no coupons tracker. But, you know, we'll get to the stage sooner or later where where these things are working. You know, where, these, where uh, the ideal state is that we get to somewhere where... Anybody could grab a coupon from William Hill, go on to Bucky Bashing, and somehow efficiently import that coupon. Just now, you wouldn't, would you believe it that I do sit down and type out every single team name and all home draw and away odds of every coupon every week, multiple coupons into Excel and then import them in from Excel with some deliminators into um, the Bucky Bashing um, tracker. So that's what I do. Uh, it is a little time consuming, but it is worth it. I mean, something as bore I've turned something that is as boring as data entry of coupons into a sustainable full time income, at least for two thousand and eighteen. So it has been worthwhile. And it would be great if we get to the position um where we can do this uh with users putting them in, but we're not quite there yet. Do forgive us whilst we figure out what that um, user interface is going to look like. So there may, there may not be something on Boxing Day. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be driving um, my family from Scotland 300 miles down the M6 to the other grandparents' house on Boxing Day, which is the reason why. Uh, and that will get us to next week, which is the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Um, now, last year I did uh, like a review of 2018 and what was the greatest thing and what was the best thing. And I think I'm just going to leave that until the first week of January. Uh, I'm not going to do the cheesy Oscars again. I'm just going to review where we are and where we're going. Uh, where, um, because things dynamically change. What we were betting on 12 months ago isn't what we're betting on now. And what are we going to be betting on in 12 months' time? Where should we be focusing on? I want to do that in the first week of January. So next week um, is going to be my first bash cast off in, what, like 20 years? That's what it feels like anyway. Uh, it will be the Christmas music-only Bashcast. Uh, if you've got any tunes you want to hear on that, drop them down the forum. Otherwise, I will choose them all. And if that's going to be what happens, I'm more than happy to do that. Every single one of you, whether you're bashing, you're APing, or you're sitting around twiddling your fingers thinking about taking action and actually doing nothing, I couldn't care less. At this point of the year, it is the 20th of December. I've got nothing but Christmas love for everyone. Whatever it is that you're doing, I hope that you are surrounded by family and friends and spending some time with them over the next two weeks. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to every single one of you. This is Tom, signing out. This is Big. It's the coolest fucking story I've ever heard in my entire life. That's insane. Is it, can I hear it again? Do you have time? <laughs>